Uh, it's good to be with you, and you know, it's in a way, it's hard, isn't it? Just uh, what we've just done, praying for Ukraine, you know, because <sighs> we feel so helpless here, don't we? If we're honest, and, I, and I'm supposed to be talking about hosting God's presence. Well, for me, I guess the host God's presence right now is to care for the refugees. That's the best thing we can do and pray for Russians and for Ukrainians. That's the best thing we can do right here. So I'm glad to be a part of that this morning. And, you know, I'm also glad that Jesus says, you know, there would be wars and rumours. I'm not glad that he said that. You know, you know what I mean? I'm not glad that there will be wars. I'm glad that he said there would be wars. So that actually... On the back of that, he says, you know, don't worry. The end, you know, it's not the end yet. Don't worry. Don't let fear grab hold of you. Don't let despondency grab hold of you. But keep on representing me. Keep on hosting my presence and bringing the kingdom around you. Don't let the worldwide events drag you down. Because they can, can't they, if you live under them. Let's be honest. We can live under the pandemic. We can live under the war. And we can... Forget who we are and be disabled from being who we're supposed to be. Let's not do that. We can mourn by absolutely, and we can play jingles. But we can. We, we, but let's not come under the spirit of that. But let's let's somehow live in the hope that Jesus brought, saying that the end is not yet, and that the kingdom will one day cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Because that's the truth we live in. That's the story we live in. Okay. Oh, I've got a clicker. Middle one. That's just going to confuse me. Hosting his presence. And we're through. Yeah, so let's have a look at this. We were created to represent God on earth. And, uh, you know, we're, we're doing a little series on living out the old story in the new day. But the story that God gave us, that... The mission he gave us was to represent him. We're made in his image. That's what it says. You know, we are created in the image of God to represent him. And so, if we're going to represent him, the best way we can represent him is to help others experience his presence. Honestly, last week in my new church, old church, at the end, uh, I was... I was Convicted by the Holy Spirit to go and pray with a lady called Grace. I met her that week. Um, and just the name, you know, spoke to me. I don't know if her name ever speaks to you. But Grace is a beautiful name. And so I felt compelled to go and pray with her. And as I was just praying and prophesying into her life, looking at her, and, you know, she started to cry. That is hosting the presence. In a way, you know, if you can help someone enter into the presence of God and hear something that God might say to them... That is hosting the presence. My prayer for you guys is that you make people cry all the time. Obviously, tears of joy, tears of relief, tears of laughter, not tears of sadness because of the painful sound you make when you worship. So, I want to say that his presence is for everyone, though that doesn't mean that anything goes. And I want to say that his presence enables the miraculous, because anything is possible when God is present. And in a sense, that's what we want to do when we represent God. 
We want to help people know that anything is prison. Anything is possible, don't we? You know, I'm looking at my good friend Mick here. But Mick, you've been uh, the presence of God to me. Through your friendship, absolutely. Through your faithfulness, absolutely. But also, amazingly, one day in Wales, was it Wales? I, can't remember, I think it was Wales, um, where we were at a wedding and I was suffering from a terrible migraine headache and you said, let's have a word with him upstairs. You know, doesn't sound very uh, religious, does it? But that prayer that you prayed for me has changed my life because I experienced God's healing in that moment 10 minutes later, which I'd never had before. Uh, and so uh, that set me on a whole journey. So thank you for hosting the presence of Jesus in your own inimitable style. Because that's the thing, isn't it? We can only do it in our own style. We can't do it in anybody else's style. None of you can dance like me. So, you know, I've been told that I, wherever I dance, that revival will break out, so I have to dance, otherwise it won't. So, you know, I'm just being obedient. Plus, in fact, I quite enjoy it. <laughs> so I will just dance. But you could, you know, you've got to be you. Who are you? How can you host the presence of Jesus? How can you make Jesus real to someone in a moment? Because that's what it means. Well, first of all, you've got to live in it yourself, haven't you? We've got to live in ourselves, and that can be tough. So, but once we've got that, our aim is to then help others live in it. So, okay, let's see if we can make some progress. That's our, that's our text. So you can read it as well as I can. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained perfected praise? So, question, why did Jesus get so angry? Because lots of things didn't make Jesus angry, did they? He wasn't particularly angry at the Romans who were oppressing the people, was he? Was he? He wasn't particularly angry at the tax collectors who were extorting money, was he? Or was he? What made him so angry on this occasion? Remember, he's, they've, they've come into Jerusalem for the big festival, and the, the first thing they do is they want to go and see to the temple, because that's where it all happens. That's the, that's the place where God's presence is. So they, they, him and the disciples walk into the temple and he sees all this money changing going on, people buying and selling for the sacrifices, and he, he, he throws a right hissy fit. You know, he, he, in other Gospels we learn that he, he puts together uh, a whip and drives out the money changers and turns the tables over. It's not kind of Jesus meek and mild. This is Jesus in a really angry temper. Drove the people out of the temple. What made, him, what made him so angry? They were misrepresenting his father. Absolutely. My father's house. 
he says, is supposed to be a house of prayer. So was it a bit of religion then? <laughs> was he just upset with the noise and the smells? Wanted to create a holy place. Is that why he got angry? Anthony's shaking her head. <laughs> Paul told you the answer. <laughs> if there is an answer. Whenever you, someone says there's an answer, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an opinion. There's a, there's a perspective. There's a hint there. I said it's got something to do with his presence that will end all oppression and all extortion. Okay. Maybe if I show you a map. Maps are always helpful. Look at the map. Great picture outline of the, of the temple and its courts. And you come in to the courts and you get holier and holier. You go through the court of the Gentiles. You then go through the court of the women who were slightly better than Gentiles, not unclean dogs. And then... Then you, if you weave your way through, you can get through to the court of the Israelites and the men where they present their sacrifices. They could look through at the temple court itself and see their meat being burnt on the altar. And if you're a priest, you can get in there and minister and you can actually go, and if you're the high priest, you can go into the... Into, well, you, if you're a priest in ministry, you can minister inside the temple with the bread and stuff. And if you're the high priest, you can go in the back and to the Holy of Holies beyond the curtain once a year. Degrees of holiness, degrees of separation, degrees, yeah, degrees of separation. Where was the marketplace, do you think? Where were they buying and selling the cattle? Well, the sheep and the goats and the pigeons and the doves. Sorry? The entrance. You, you mean this big open area where there's plenty of space for stalls? Probably. That's almost certainly what we were talking about. We're not told, but that's almost certainly where the marketplace was, in the court of the Gentiles. So, now then, what is Jesus getting so angry about? Sorry? They're excluding the Gentiles. Because... When he quotes that, that old scripture from Isaiah, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Nigel, mouth the words. It's for all nations. It's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And so here we have the Jews setting up their marketplace in the only place of prayer that was available in the temple for the nations. I love what Nigel shared the other week. I can't remember quite how you put it, but there was a kind of walled view of the church, boundaried, with those who are out and those who are in. And then there was the centred view, where we were all in, but just a matter of direction of travel. I love that. God's heart is for everybody to be in. 
The New Testament makes that very clear. God, God's will is that all people will be saved. That's God's will. So that's why Jesus gets so angry here. The Gentiles were being shut out from the presence of God. Not only that, you, if you read the story, when Jesus has driven them all out, who comes in? The blind and the lame. Now, they were also shut out. That was mainly because of a corruption of some Levitical law that had happened, you know, where the blind and the lame weren't allowed to be priests ministering in the, in the actual temple itself. But they'd extended that to, to say that they couldn't come into the temple area. That's why you get that lame man sitting at the gate beautiful. And we know that God's presence is for all, don't we? Because when he dies, Jesus, the, the curtain's torn. All of this hierarchy, all of this degrees of separation is undone. We all have access to the most holy place. We all have access to the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. Actually, Jesus was revealing something that was just true. But it's not a free-for-all. I don't, I don't want to spend too long on this, but if you, if you think about three stories, one in Leviticus there with Nadab and Abihu, who presented uh, profane fire in the temple, uh, they actually died. Uzzah, who stretched out his hand when the ark was being brought into Jerusalem, he died. Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the Holy Spirit in Acts, died. That, that's not a pattern that gets repeated uh, ongoing, but it happens at every stage of increase of the presence of God. With the tabernacle being set up, the temple being set up, and the church being set up. It's just a, to highlight to us that it's not a free-for-all. The presence of God is to, is to be hosted. And you can't just do what you like. You can't lie like Ananias and Sapphira and expect the presence of God to be there. So in, when we think about this, you know, who do we shut out in our culture? Is there anybody that we deny the presence of God? You know, I've been in church long enough to know that we may say there's not, but actually in reality we do. We put, we put out separation walls sometimes ourselves. And I'm not going to talk about that. But it's just true. Because with time is of the essence. I want to get on. Nope. There you go. Okay. If God's presence is everywhere and his desire is to, for us all to be in it, why do we need to host it? Well, here's the reason. Because it's actually something that we can grow in. 
The truth is that God's presence is everywhere. Psalm 139 says that. Where can I go from your spirit? You know, if I go up to the top, you're there. If I go across the sea, you're there. Even if I go down into the depths of Hades, the place of the dead, you're there. There's nowhere I can go to escape you. You're everywhere. But Genesis says, although God's everywhere, we are his image. There's something about human beings that represent God, that actually make God more visible than the rest of creation. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? <laughs> Some of us. <laughs> Not only that, Jesus tells us in Luke 11.13 that how much more will, your, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In other words, how much more will God live with, be present with, those who ask? God's a gentleman. And I've said this over and over again. You know, God comes where he's invited. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's just the way we most easily say God comes to live with us. In fact, it's the whole Godhead who comes to live with us. John makes that clear. But not only that, we can overflow. Paul, in the book of Ephesians 5.18, tells us to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine. There's a little bit of a clue. You know, getting drunk on wine hinders the presence of God. Sorry for the Marlovians in the room. John, in, uh, sorry, Jesus in John 7 says, you know, uh, whoever believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And it's like, the editor says that that's the Holy Spirit. We're to overflow. We're to be places where what we carry overflows. The presence of God that we carry overflows. That's why it's important that we host the presence of God. We can be a river of life to those around us. We are Bethel, the house of God. That's why I've got the picture of Jacob's ladder up there. Because Jacob had that dream with the angels ascending and descending as he slept. And so he set up a, a pillar, he set up a structure. But that wasn't what God was saying. That wasn't the house of God. That became a place known as Bethel, which became an idol later. But actually, Jacob, his, the, the one who believed him, trusted him, that was the place that God was able to dwell, to be. Anyway. It's a place of wonder. And I love that. that the temple gets turned upside down. All the, the lame and the blind come in and they're healed. And the kids are all running around screaming, shouting, Hosanna, blessed be the, you know, the son of David. You think it's fantastic, isn't it? Holy chaos. I, I give up the number of times I've had arguments with people, in, leaders in church about saying, don't worry about the noise. The noise will not hinder the presence of God. Legalism will hinder the presence of God, but noise won't, <laughs> laughter won't, singing won't, dancing won't, stern faces will. <laughs> Thank you for that very wonderful little illustration, because God is in the room. Okay, let's, I've got to finish, so let's get going. 
I haven't really got time to go into this one. But the point I want to make is God gives us mountaintop experiences so that we can carry his presence in our lives. You know, Jesus had one on the, on the, Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration. That's not very easy for me to say. And, and his, some of his disciples saw it. I love the fact that Peter wanted to build structures for Moses and Elijah and Jesus, tents up there. The presence of God is not hosted by structures or buildings, not even the temple. And Jesus shines like a bright light, you know, he shines radiant, radiant bright light. And so they know that God is there and they hear the voice coming, don't they? This is my beloved son. You see, that helps us live in the presence of God, to know that we're his favoured children. And so does prayer. Because Jesus comes down from that place, having heard his father speak over him, and he drives out the demon from that oppressed child that's been thrown into the fire. Yeah? You know the story. And his disciples said, we've been casting out demons, you know, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, this only comes out by prayer. Some later scribe put and fasting because he felt that was the right thing to put. But actually it's through prayer. The original, the original version. So, what's Jesus saying there? This kind only comes out when you really know me. <laughs> when you really know the kind of things I love to do. If you really knew me, you really knew the kind of things I'd love to do, you'd, have, you'd speak with authority to that demon and it would go. It's only because you're not sure the demon can sense it that that won't go. I'm sorry to talk about demons, you know, but it's just part of the way we host the presence. So, intoxication, I've already mentioned, hinders. Harshness grieves him. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but be tender-hearted towards one another, love one another. You see, we can grow in our ability to host the presence of Jesus. Our aim is for overflow. Our aim is to know God so well, to talk to him so often, to chat with him, chit-chat throughout the day, to get to know his heart, to read the, the Bible, not because of a religious duty, but just to know and see how loving and kind he is, that we're confident when we're living in this dark world that he's with us to bring a bit of light. You know, and my whole journey, I've mentioned Mick, you know, but there's many people in this, in this room that have helped me grow in in hosting the presence of Jesus. So that when I run Alpha Course and a, lady, a young lady sitting opposite me who has anorexia, you know this young lady. She was part of this church. And I was able to say to her, I put Paul and Wendy, say to her, God's going to set you free from this anorexia. And after I finished praying for her, she picked up a biscuit and ate. And the next week she came having eaten normally, when she hadn't been eaten normally for over two years. You know, that is hosting the presence. We can do that for, for people. When we know God is in the room. But we, we all start where we're at. You know, what is it, where is it that you're at today? How much do you really know God? How much do you really know the kind of things he likes to do? What are you confident to say to someone? Just say that. <laughs> Just say that. And then God will give you more things to say. Cleverer things to say, maybe, well, I don't know, actually not cleverer. Just help you to say it in a way which they actually believe you. Sarah, you have a remarkable ability to host the presence of Jesus. 
People see your genuine love for them on your face. I hear Jesus just saying thank you for that, but encouraging you, keep doing that, my daughter, keep doing that. Keep telling people how much I love them because I'm going to break through every time you do. I'm going to break through for you. Karen, as we were praying, as we were worshipping earlier, God said to me, you must tell Karen that she represents me. She knows that. But I need to remind her again in these days that she really does represent me and that she really does have authority. I said, Karen knows that. Well, she's been for longer than I have. But she said she needs to know again today. There's something about this season, Karen, which is really important about using your, your, your tongue. And God says, God, this is the word he used in the scripture. He says, your tongue is anointed to build in this season. To build up, to encourage, to strengthen your tongue. Every time you use your tongue to do that in this season, it's going to have a, a more profound effect than it's ever had in the past. Because God is with you in a new way in this season to build. I just give you that. And, I, and in my own mind, I was thinking, I can see you building young people. I can see people growing as you speak to them and going out and doing greater things than you, and greater things than they would ever do if you hadn't spoken to them. So I just felt the Holy Spirit wanted you to know that. Yeah, so. So it's a simple message, guys. I, I hope it's not too simple for you this morning to host God's presence. To know that God is a God who loves everyone. His presence is free. Let's not exclude anybody from receiving his presence. Start where we're at. But let's start. And let's know that we carry the very presence of Jesus with us. Let's not exclude anybody. What are your mountaintop experiences? Mick gave me one of mine. Alistair Bullen gave me another when he prophesied over me I'd be a leader. When actually I was way too kind of shy to ever think about that. Nigel did when he invited, he was the first person ever invited me to speak at a church. You can't remember that, that was at Cookham, all those years ago. He invited me to speak and I, you know, I'd only spoken once before. Uh, so, but there are amounts, God, you know, God spoke to me when Roger Force was speaking. Son of man, I made your watchman over the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word of my mouth, give them warning from me. So, what are your mountaintop experiences? What has God done in your life that you can live from and carry his presence out into this world through? Because God is with you. God is with you. I'm sorry, who's the man with the glasses at the back that was dancing in the worship earlier? Emmanuel, sorry, Emmanuel. That's a great name. How can I forget that? That's my daughter's name. And how precious that you're called God is with us. How precious that you're called God is with us. Because God is with you, Emmanuel. And that's not just a name. It's a fundamental truth. Which God wants you to know more and more and more in these days. Honestly, it blessed my heart to see you dancing earlier. To see you moving in worship. It really did. But it, I know it blesses the heart of the Lord too. And I just see you doing, um, ministering his presence. So be bold. Be bold. Okay, I'm going to be quiet now. But if, um, if anybody here has spoken to about that, 
who really wants to, oh well, maybe you need to know God's presence for yourself. If, if that's true, then just please ask someone in the room to pray for you when we finish. But uh, if um, you know, actually, the presence of Jesus for yourself, but you long for that, to grow in that, uh, that ability just to help others know the presence of God in the room with you when you're praying for them. Just want you to do something, to stand, maybe just to stand now and let's pray. Thank you, Noala. Please don't stand just because you feel like you ought to. That's not what it's about. It's only those people that really, really want that gift, to grow in that gift in this season. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love the fact that God uses the weak to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise. Otherwise, I'd never have left church. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm glad you stood. I'm really glad you stood. And I don't actually know why, but I knew that the Holy Spirit wanted to speak to you today about hosting his presence. When we were worshipping at the back, I was looking around at people, and he highlighted you to me. So I don't know what it means for you, Sue, except to know for you to know that God is with you. And you are not an also-ran. You are not a support on the bill. You are a favoured daughter of the living God. And just as you're shedding tears right now, I tell you, others are going to shed tears when you touch them, when you give them a gift, when you say something kind to them. Others are going to cry and they're going to experience the presence of Jesus. Jesus in you, Jesus with you, Jesus for you and for them. They're going to know it just because of your kindness. It's the kindness of God that changes us, Sue. He's changing you in this season. He's also going to change others that you touch. That's why I'm touching you because there's something important about your touch. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Bless you. And I pray, Father, for everyone who stood, Lord Jesus, that you help us, Lord God, to represent you really well. Not to exclude anybody from your presence, but to help everybody that we meet know there's a God in heaven who loves them. And for that to be real, not just a nice idea, but something they feel, something they know as they see you and watch you and feel you deliver them from sickness, from oppression, from demonic oppression, from the darkness of this world. I pray for everybody who stood, Father, that they would know your anointing to help people live under the sunshine of your love, to live under the warmth of your fantastic love for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. How do I host your presence? What does that mean to me? What is it of your precious self that I'm called to set free? I know I can't dance like Colin or bring what Anthea can bring, 
What does it mean to be myself and usher your presence in? I know it starts with me, Lord, and drawing close to you. Taking the time to let your presence fill me through and through. So key for me to trust your word that says I can come to you. Believe your love is more than enough for all I'm called to do. So I choose to host your presence and carry it every day and overflow to those I meet as I walk this kingdom way. We won't find your presence in structures, sorry, in temples or structures built by man. We find it as we find ourselves doing what only we can. That's brilliant. Thank you, Nigel. Yeah, 